0: Today, we'll look at the topic of God's solution. Um, Before we do that, let's talk about the world a little bit. Um, The world, it can be a very scary place. If you, you know look around a lot, and we all do because we're in the world, um, there's constant talk of wars. There's confusion about the very basics of existence, male and female. There's a multitude of drugs and sexual perversions of all kinds, homosexuality, drag shows, pedophilia, the attack on men, the feminization of men. The destruction of the family, the attack on Christianity, and you can put a lot of et ceteras after that, because there are certainly a lot of them. There are a lot of problems facing the earth, um, and I was thinking that you know you can you can be, you become the embodiment of what you look at. Uh, if you remember some of the records in the Bible, when when Moses sent out the twelve spies, you know they they had the choice of listening to the word that Moses had received, or the choice of listening to these spies that came back, and the spies were loud, 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 and they eventually listened to the spies, and we all know how that ended, um, or, the, or the case of the, you know, Rabshakeh's mission mission as the envoy of the Assyrians when he came to Hezekiah. You know, they said you know, He said, Hezekiah told him you, know, you shouldn't be speaking in the language of ah, we came to talk to the people on the wall because they wanted to have them receive information that would hurt them and the Bible says that they refused to listen because Hezekiah had said no they refused to say anything because Hezekiah had told them not to so in that case they listened or the men that followed Paul the Apostle around you read many many cases where these men, with their words, were able to sway entire cities against these men. Right? So, you know, so the more you look at something, the more you hear something, the more you become the embodiment of that. Um, so the state of the world, as we know, is not great. Um, so I wanted to read you an article that I found, um, just to start off with. An article from something called the Truth Journal. And it has uh, the, the writer, you'll recognize the writer, but it was, it's a summary of you know, having looked around all things going on, this was their summary of the world. So I'll just read it to you. Um, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known? There was no fear of God before their eyes. Now, granted, this writer probably stole all that from Romans chapter three, but that's <laughs> just the way it goes, right? Would you say that that is an adequate description of the world today? Guess what? It was also an adequate description of the world 2,000 years ago. That's what God wrote. That's what God had Paul write. Uh, at that time, um, you know, remember, you know, like you, you might it, it can get so overwhelming when you when you look at that stuff, when you look at all these things. It can you get to the point where you think, what can I do as an individual? What can little old me do in the midst of all this stuff that's going on? You know, it's kind of thing that Elijah faced when he was uh, at the. You know, he said, "Look, I've had enough. I uh, I'm the only one left." You know, God said, "Well, no." Seven thousand and so forth. You know, you know the record, but you can start feeling that way. You know. So what? What is the solution? What was God's solution two thousand years ago? Is it possible that maybe the solution that God had two thousand years ago, when the world was very—that sounds like a very, very bad situation happening in the world—that that solution could probably work today. In um, verse nineteen, now we know. That what things soever the law saith, is saith to them. By the way, that was verses 10 through 18 there. Verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. By the way, just in case you were thinking it was only 2,000 years ago, all those quotes in Romans come from Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and Isaiah. Mm-hmm. So there were some things happening back then as well that were very similar to the situation 2,000 years ago. Okay. So it saith to them, the law, who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. So the law that God gave was not the solution. He, He gave the law, but it was not the solution that was required. It just pointed out the problem. Verse 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, There shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So it pointed out the problem, but it wasn't the solution. Um, You know, the same same thing is true today. You You can make as many laws as you want to, and they're good. Nothing wrong. Even the Bible says about the law that God gave, what is it called? Holy, just, and good. It's a good thing. We need laws. They're good things to have laws. But they're never the solution. Even in God's case, He gave the law. It was the best He could do for His people. And it was needful to protect protect them. But it was never the solution. It was, it was designed to point out the problem. Um, in fact, Galatians 3.21, you don't have to go there. It says, For if there had been a law which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law, but there was none. There was none that could do that. But the scripture has concluded all under sin, and that was the point of the law. It was like, okay, and that's what laws do today. So you can, you know, and people, you know, you will see in the world the attempts to solve the problems sometimes are the institution of more laws, right? Well, another law, let's solve that problem. You know, people keep, you know, jumping rope on the sidewalk. Let's introduce a law. No more jumping rope on the sidewalk, you know, and so on. It goes, maybe things are worse now, but in verse 21, but now the righteous, now what was God's solution? But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, For there is no difference. What was God's solution to the very dire situation of the world back then? It was believing concerning Jesus Christ. That was His solution. He said, okay, I know how to solve this. I'm going to send the Messiah. He was the solution to the problems the world was facing. And we're going to see a little bit how He's the solution, but let's keep reading. Verse 22, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, or as we looked at one time, a mercy seat, through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. The forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that's talking about God's righteousness, God's justice, to declare God's justice that he, God, might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. Under God's justice, man needs to believe in Jesus Christ to be made righteous. That was God's solution to solve you know, all these things about bitterness, cursing, destruction, misery, th- no fear of God. All these things, his solution was to send Jesus Christ. Um, verse, where are we going now? Let's go to John chapter 2 for a second. John chapter 20. John 20. Now we look at some of the Gospels. You know, we want, you know sometimes you wonder well, who the Gospels are written. Well, the Gospel of John is written to the entire world. You'll see a lot of scriptures in there about, you know, uh, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and all, all these kind of things It's written to the whole world. And so, you know, when you think about a gospel that maybe you want to recommend to read somebody who doesn't know much, gospel of John is a good one, because it's written to the whole world. Uh, uh, John 20, verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus, in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, Unfortunately, that'd be cool. Anyway, we'll get the video later, maybe. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. That all, all these things were written so that people might believe that Jesus is the Christ. And believing you might have life through His name. Life through the name of believing on Jesus Christ. That's why God had this book written. So it's a good one. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Is it just possible that God's solution 2,000 years ago is still a valid one today? 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks... Be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So here, you know, he, God deals with the world around us. In the same area. in in this, in this few five verses he pretty much deals with the world around us well how to how to deal with that world is what to pray, pray, pray for all in authority, so we can continue to make the gospel known, live quietly, and then he answers the problem how to solve the problem verse five for there's one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus. It, people have to come to Jesus Christ God's desire is not just truth. Not just salvation, but to come to a knowledge of the truth. He wants both. So there's work to be done. It's not just telling somebody about Jesus Christ, but it's also leading them into the knowledge of the truth because that is what changes a person's life forever if, they, if they're if they willing to take heed to it. Um, in Romans, let's go back to Ro- sorry, Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Let's just talk a little bit about how jesus christ could solve some of the problems that we we talked about earlier let's take homosexuality for example um now we know what the bible says about homosexuality um so you you know let's say you're you're working with somebody who happens to be you know uh having the problem having that particular problem there's a couple of ways, or many ways, I mean, I can say a couple of ways to deal with the problem. One way could be that, you know, you go up to the person you say, what you're doing is evil, ungodly, and unnatural, so stop it. And that is what the Bible says about it, isn't it? And the other solution could be to say, let me tell you about a Savior that was sent to help you, a Savior that was sent to give you eternal life, a Savior that was sent To make sure that you would not be fighting in your heart anymore against God or anybody else. A savior that was sent to help that particular problem. Now, if a person accepts that, which by the way, that was God's solution to the problems of man. Then, they have the very real opportunity, we'll see here, they have the very real opportunity then to change the things that were causing them trouble in the first place. But just the legislation of the saying, don't do this, stop this, or not, is never good. It was never the solution. That's what the law was. And all that did was point out the sin. There had to be a change, and we'll see here in Mark chapter 7. There had to be a change in the heart. In Mark 7, verse 20. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, from For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, which is somewhere translated also as sexual um, perversions and that kind of thing, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Doesn't that sound like the list in Romans chapter 3? Where do they all come from? Out of the heart, they come out of the heart of man. So, without does, does imposing a law on somebody change a person's heart? No, it just tries to quell the desire, tries to direct the flesh to stop the hurtful behavior. But does not the, not the solution? The solution has to be the heart of man. In Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. Going back to God's solution. Verse 1. Therefore, being justified, we have by faith, we have faith believing in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So by believing on him, guess what? All of a sudden, a man is at peace with God. Maybe they won't be so excited to fight about things like male or female or gender, whatever nonsense the world tries, because now they're not fighting anymore. There's a peace. There's a peace in their heart. They're not fighting anymore. Verse 2, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Of God, a real hope introduced by believing on Jesus Christ. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that we didn't before, but you can now, because now you have a hope. Also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, and here it is, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by The Holy Spirit which is given unto us. It is the receiving of Holy Spirit by believing on the name of Jesus Christ that affects the heart of a man. It is what sheds abroad the love of God in the heart of a person. And now there's a real opportunity for that man or woman to, to make a change in their lives. But without the Holy Spirit, without believing on Jesus Christ, it's not possible. And we'll see why in a minute here. What well, it says right here, next verse. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For when we were without strength, the we word weak and powerless, a weak and powerless man or woman <laughs> is ruled by the passions of the world. Because you have no strength to resist it, you're weak. You can weaken power. God says here, when you were without strength, when we were weak, we're power. We couldn't do anything. Christ died for us, and now because of that, you have the strength of Christ to deal with. Before you didn't have it, that's why you couldn't solve those problems. for scarcely for seven for a righteous man will one die yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more now that we are not being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. You know what a great change is effected in a person's life. So all the other problems that they might have been having, you know, in their lives. How about knowing that you have eternal life? How about knowing that someday you're not going to be going through the wrath to come? Do you think that might affect the behavior of a person? Well, it really ought to. That's what God's point is in all the doctrinal sections of the Bible. You know, Walk worthy of the vocation. Okay, now you had this. You should walk. You see, that doesn't happen until the heart gets changed by the shedding abroad of the Holy Spirit in the heart of man, the love of God being shed abroad. And that's what changed. That's the solution to man's problems, as God tells us. Keeping going on here. Verse were we. Okay. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Much more ability now. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement, the reconciliation. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all that have, for all, that all have sinned. And that's what caused that dire strait they read about in Romans 3. For till the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. I had to take the law to come back and point out the issues that were happening. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. It's a solution for the entire world. It's a solution for everyone. It's abounded unto many. Not as it was by one that sinned, and so is so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if one, by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace, and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Jesus Christ. I wouldn't call Romans chapter 3 a reigning in life I wouldn't call basically twisting the basic truths that God's Word gives for men and women reigning in life. Well, I would call it exactly what the Bible calls it evil death and you know leading towards death and sinful and unnatural. That's not reigning in life. but once you have the Lord Jesus Christ within Christ in us. Now you have an opportunity to reign in life. You have an opportunity to deal with the things you couldn't deal with before. Which the entire world is trying to deal with constantly, but they can't. They do it through laws. They do, You know, all these kinds. Of, you can't, that's not the solution. It never has been. Um, verse 18. Therefore, so reigning in life, sorry, where are we, verse 18. Thank you. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men into justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound that a sin hath reigned unto death, see, before sin reigned unto death, even so now might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say to these things? What shall we say then? Shall we continue? Here it is. See, this is the change. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead, now we are dead to sin, live any longer therein? You know, taking our example of the person who is practicing homosexuality. When you, now, when, they, when a person is led to Jesus Christ, now they have the opportunity to recognize that they are, they are dead to the sin. They don't have to be ruled by the passions, their passions anymore. They can be ruled by the Spirit of God that they now have. But without it, there's no, there's no hope. Verse 3: Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized unto, into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. See, reigning in life, newness of life, all unavail- not available until a person believes on God's solution from man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Just to look at that verse for a second, you know, does that mean that we we, we can't serve sin? No. We certainly can. The point is, before we were weak and powerless, but now we have the Spirit of God. Now you have the ability to, to, to not allow the sin and death to have dominion over us anymore because of what Jesus Christ did. Because here, the, you know, this verse says that our old man is crucified with Him. Does that mean that there's no impact of the flesh now on our day-by-day thinking? Does that mean that we aren't still challenged in situations? Of course not. You still have? Are you still tempted to, to do the wrong thing ever in your life? If you say no, I'm going to say liar. If I say no, you call me liar. But the point is, we didn't have the ability before, but we have the ability now to deal with it. And that's what this whole section is all about. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that we the body of sin might be that we should henceforth should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Talking about the sin of Adam, that sin is what was holding man under its thumb to produce sins. So Jesus Christ dealt with the sin problem, so that now we can deal with the sins problem by knowing that by the Spirit of God within us. Verse 8, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. I missed verse 7, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over Him. And we just read all about our identification with Him. So we can identify with where He is. Can death have dominion over us? Absolutely not. To know that death has no dominion over us, doesn't that change your life radically? For in that he died, verse 10, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon or think it through, logic, reason it out. You also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ, God's solution to the problems that were... um, Destroying man, basically. Look at verse chapter 6, sorry, uh, chapter 8, please, briefly. See, people who now can live this way should no longer crave the things of the world the drugs, the sexual perversion, the um, rebellion against God, and all these things because the fight is over. There's no more fighting. So that's why God says, okay, now that you're dead to sin, you know, and, that you, and death has no dominion over you, you're, not, you're free from the bondage of sin, this is how you ought to live. And that's, and that's, the, that's the first chance man has to actually deal with all, that, all those problems that were plaguing him. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. We're freed from that law. By by what Jesus, but by the by the Spirit that we've received, we're freed from it. For what the law could not do, couldn't do it, in that it was weak through the flesh. That's exactly the same problem today. You make as many laws as you want to, but man is weak through the flesh, and it's not going to solve the problem. It was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son because man, no one else could do it. In the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus Christ had to do it, because no man could do it, so He sent Him to do it on our behalf. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled. Verse 4, in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh. but They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, life. And peace. We'll close in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So, what can little old me do in the overwhelming state of the world and things that surround us? Well, let's read this 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter four. Verse one, I charge ye, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the Word: be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. What's the, what can little old me or little old you? What what can we do? Preach Jesus Christ. Preach Jesus Christ. God's solution to the problems of man was Jesus Christ. Hasn't changed. Still a solution. We we make him no, not all. And that, that, when we say preach Jesus Christ, instant, instant out other season in season, that doesn't mean you know from a pulpit necessarily. Doesn't mean it. It doesn't. It, there are how many. Untold ways are there to make Jesus Christ known. I'm sure we've not even tapped into all that is available to make Him known. It seems like those who practice evil tap into things much faster than those who preach the truth. Who knows? whatever, Whatever, I mean, Jesus Christ has the responsibility to guide the body now under the guidance of God. So whatever is worked within you to do, that's what we ought to do. But here, you know, at a time when Paul the Apostle, and again, this is a time as we've looked many times before, at the time when Paul was about to die when he wrote this to Timothy. He wasn't sure he was going to be released anymore, there was no guarantee. He was about to die. So his, the things that God had him write at the end of his life to Timothy, you know, because I'm sure Timothy didn't take it too well. You know, Paul was dying. The man he had spent many years with, who had taught him everything about, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was dying. So when, can you imagine getting this letter? It says, Timothy, a lot going on. He talked about all Asia turned away from me, people, all that. It was, you preach the word. That was, those were the words. You preach the word all in season, out of season, rebuke, exhort. Uh, 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 sorry. Let me read it to you before I get it all wrong. Rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, verse 3, that they, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. Hmm. Maybe Is that an adequate description of maybe some things around? And shall be turned unto fables. Maybe that's true as well. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have run the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and shall not, not to me only, but unto all them also, that love is appearing. on some of his final words to Timothy. Just basically, very, very simply told Timothy the same thing we just read about. The solution is what? preach jesus christ you might not like what's happening around you timothy and things are gone kind of south everybody read the rest of the chapter a lot of people have left him forsaken him you uh, might not like that what's the solution you preach you preach every chance you get every opportunity you get to make known jesus christ that's what you do so if we ever have an up op- you know if we ever have the you know problem of thinking what can i do that's <laughs> uh, very simple We can make Jesus Christ known because that's what God did. He made Jesus Christ known to the world to solve all the things that were happening and now He asks us to do the same because His desire is the same for all mankind.